0: You're listening to the Pops on Hops podcast, where we listen to some pops, drink a little hops, and I get to hang out with my pop. I'm Abigail Hummel.
1: And I'm Barry Hummel, and thanks for joining us once again. We're in a very special location, Gainesville, Florida, home of my daughter, Abigail, currently, but also my home in the... Good God, 1985 to 1989 era. Yes. And we're hanging out at a brewery, which we'll introduce in just a few minutes, but uh, we're very excited to be doing this again live in a brewery. Very exciting.
0: Yes, it's a it's a great opportunity, and we'd like to thank Blackadder Brewing Company in Gainesville, Florida for allowing us to be here today.
1: Very good. So uh, it was my turn to pick an album, and I dug deep into my collection to pull out Darkness on the Edge of Town by Bruce Springsteen. I think Abigail probably had some familiarity with it, but um, the reason I picked this album was that um, this was my entry point for Bruce Springsteen. I probably knew of the Born to Run single, which was was the uh, album before this one. But uh, I was in high school, and I had two really good friends, Phil Gruccio and Andy Miller, who were humongous Bruce Springsteen fans. Huh. And so, remember, I didn't really buy a lot of albums in that era. I was buying singles. And so this was really the first time I really listen to an entire album start to finish with friends of mine from high school. Wow. And, um, being from New Jersey, obviously, uh, Springsteen was a big deal, yep. but I really had no awareness of him until I, uh, I, uh, was introduced to this album by those two friends of mine. So this is a really special album for me. Um, it's an interesting album. He had, um, a couple of albums, uh, earlier in, in like 1971, he released, I think his first album, which was Greetings from Asbury Park. Uh, Next up in 1973 was with Wild Day Innocent and E Street Shuffle. They were good albums. They didn't sell very well. Mm-hmm. But in 1975, he released Born to Run. And on the back of the single Born to Run, it was a humongous hit. Uh, so much so that I brought a picture just to show you this. In one week in october i'm sorry it was uh october 27 1975 he was on both the cover of newsweek and time oh on gosh. the exact same week wow because of the power of that album wow. and there's, it wasn't coincidental one of the one of the i think it was newsweek heard that time was doing an article on him and so they did it simultaneously to make sure that that wasn't that they weren't uh, um what's the word i'm looking for
0: like, uh, they got scooped?
1: They got scooped, right. They didn't want to <laughs> get scooped. And so there were two great articles about Bruce Springsteen from, um, from 1975, where he was going to be, you know, you know, right on time. They proclaimed, proclaimed him as Rock's new sensation. Wow. The other interesting thing about this was that, um, based on the success of that album, he had problems with his management. He, um, there were some money issues with that manager at the time. And so the follow-up album, which we're going to play some selections from today in 1978, is a different style of album.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: And it's almost like Bruce was forced to start adulting. And when you listen <laughs> to the songs on this album, you will understand what we're talking about. This is not, it's not light. A lot of his songs early on were kind of working-class hero songs, but a much more kind of uh, that youthful vibrance, you know, yeah. and you're going to hear, you know, like in Born to Run, right? It's like lights out, we're taking off, the mm-hmm. world's ahead of us. And there's songs on this album that are the polar opposite oh, of yeah. that, where it's almost the anti-Born to Run. Mm-hmm. And so the other thing I liked about this album was exactly how um, powerful a lot of the songs were and, and the themes of a lot of the songs. Now, that means it's a little bit of a darker album. It is. Hence the title. Uh, but it's also a pretty good rock and roll thing. The other thing about this was that because there was a gap because of the money problems, he, they recorded together as a band in a single space, as opposed to doing a lot of separate tracks. Okay. And I think the music shows as we play it. But the other thing was that they recorded a ton of songs. They only used a handful of songs on this <gasps> album, but they wrote 30 or 35 songs. Whoa. They gave some songs to other artists, and in fact used a lot of those songs for the subsequent album, The River, which <laughs> is a double album oh that was released, gosh. I think, in 1980. And it sounds very similar to this because they recorded this giant collection of songs all kind of simultaneously and then they had this like multiple albums worth of material so we're going to play some selections from that album tonight um and uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about the beer and the brewery we're going to be tasting tonight
0: yeah so um i chose blackadder because knowing that we were doing darkness on the edge of town i thought we should have some dark beers on the edge of town so we are at blackadder brewery which is Um, They specialize in Belgian style beers, um, but we have picked uh, four darker selections tonight. Uh, One lighter one and then three darker ones. Um, Tonight we're going to be sampling the Jerkmaker, which is a Weizenbach. James Brown, which is an Imperial Brown. Date Night 2021, which is a Belgian quad made with date sugar. Mm. And that only comes out on February 14th of every year. And then when it's gone, it's gone. So we're awesome. we're glad to scoop it up tonight. Um, and then lastly, a bit of a thicky, which is an old ale.
1: Excellent. And a lot of these you'll see are kind of English style because that's sort of the theme. Now rem- remind me, I, when w- I was here once before in 2017, and Blackadder is named is there a TV show reference? I forget what the reference it is. It
0: is the TV show Blackadder it's named after that and the the font, <laughs> the font that their logo is in is the same font as the TV show. Oh that's fun. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and what did, the, what did the show, what was it about? Uh, oh gosh you, I couldn't tell you. Oh was, you don't know either? It was okay.
0: medieval stuff I think. Okay. I don't know but well, a lot of their beers are named after characters and things from the show
1: yeah it has a lot of that that's what i was saying there's a lot of english style and and sort of uh middle ages mm-hmm. themed beers on the menu so i was just wondering about that i knew there was a reference and i couldn't remember what it was so but again neither one of us has seen the show so we shouldn't really right
0: <laughs> we can't comment on
1: that we won't comment on the show um,
0: let's let's have a little sip of the jerk maker and then i want to tell you um how i like what i knew about this album before oh, you got it okay
1: mm. Ooh,
0: that's really good
1: that is good so this is a, what would you say, it was a Weizenbach, right?
0: A Weizenbach, which I so don't really the, know what that is.
1: Well, um, I thought it would, I, when we ordered it, I thought it was going to be a little bit darker. I, the Weizen should have given away because that's the wheat uh, part of the name. So it's, uh, but it's on the sweet side. You can taste the wheat, but. Um,
0: I would call it effervescent.
1: A little bit. I don't know if it's overly bubbly, no. like some of the stuff we've had.
0: It is good. It's belgian hmm
1: it's, um, it's on the sweet side. It is a little Belgiany. yeah. I like when we use the name of a beer as an adjective. <laughs> Belgiany. What does that mean? Well, it tastes well, like a Belgian. D- it tastes like
0: a Belgian. <laughs> there's no other way to describe it. You just know it when you have it.
1: I don't know. I think it's a. There's an aromatic quality to the Belgians, and maybe a little bit of a bready taste. I think that combo is what makes them Belgiany. And I think being smooth mm-hmm. and a little bit sweet also um, makes me think of Belgians. Um, and I'm eyeing up the quad, which I know I'm going to love because I do like Belgian beer a lot. Mm-hmm. And the, the stronger it is, the better for me. So that's going to be a winner for.
0: Not me. Not for me. So we're going to. <laughs> we're gonna see um, so my thoughts on this album or my knowledge of this album was limited I going in when I read the track list I thought I had only heard one song actually listening to it I had heard four or so that I remember so I knew more than I thought I did I I got really into Bruce Springsteen when his album Magic came out in 2007 right Um. That's an amazing album. I love that album. And then we actually went to see Bruce Springsteen in concert for the Magic Tour.
1: You um, are correct. In
0: 2008. And I don't think I fully appreciated it at the time. I mean, I I loved Magic, and I was, you know, singing along to all those songs, and I, I enjoyed myself at the concert, but I don't think I really realized the kind of like importance of seeing Bruce Springsteen in concert, and most especially of seeing Clarence Clemens. For sure. Before he passed away. That was away. the last
1: tour that he was able to participate in before he died and, uh, in I don't know 2011. You, yeah, I don't know if you remember uh, the night we saw them, that he was staged in a giant uh, sort of. Uh, Wicker chair. Yeah,
0: I remember him sitting for most of the night and then he got up like once and like went to the edge of the stage to play like a saxophone solo and then he had to go sit
1: back down (laughs) again. If you knew the songs, it was interesting because you could see him. He had to get, you know, he had arthritis and he would get up well in advance of when his solo was coming up and you knew it was coming and he would, he he would, would lumber shuffle. out of the chair and he'd walk up to the thing and he'd take the thing and then he would blast the solo right on time mm-hmm. and they would turn around and walk back to the chair and just mm-hmm. sit down and it's interesting when you listen to these songs you're going to realize why he gets away with that because a lot of times when he pops up in these songs he pops up. He plays the big yep. blast of the musical <laughs> solo. And then he's not really and in the song much again. more. So <laughs> it really set him up pretty well to yeah. be able to sit down like that at the stage show. Yeah. But I'm glad you remember that concert. You, I, I made it a point to get you guys to see that because you and Zach, your brother, both really liked that album. And when we had the opportunity to see him there uh, close to our house, uh, I thought that was really important. And I'm so glad we did because I didn't realize how sick... Uh, um, Clarence Clemens was and also Danny Federici the keyboard I think he was more the organ player but he was one of the keyboard players he's on this album very prominently uh, had died within the year of that concert and they did a tribute to him and you probably don't remember this because a, a lot of the songs that featured him were not things you were real familiar with at the time but they did a very nice tribute to him that night and played a couple of his songs that are very prominent um, one of which I think is on this album. The other one I remember that night was Sandy, the the, the beach song mm-hmm. um, that, that I like so much. So, yeah, he he was a, you know, they were, you know, members of the E Street Band were kind of slowly, yeah. you know, aging out at the time we saw them. But yeah. it's amazing. And, and that was 10 years ago, and he's still playing, Springsteen's still playing and going on strong. Well,
0: that was the other thing I was going to say. I went and looked at the full discography to sort of get an idea of where this album fit in and where Magic fit in. And... Again, he released Magic in 2007. His next album was Working on a Dream in 2009, which I listened to that, didn't really love it, so I kind of stopped paying attention after that one. But then he released more albums in 2012, 2014, 2019, and 2020, which I feel like is a pretty normal pace for like a younger artist. Yeah. But the fact that he's such... You know he's an older gentleman and he's still so prolific and it's i think that's just amazing
1: and it's sad that you're right about working on a dream was not uh, didn't have the same quality as magic did but then wrecking ball came out it was very very good but if you kind of like you had a down note on working on a dream you might not pick up wrecking ball right
0: well because cause magic was really my only exactly. i
1: mean magic
0: was like my only concept of bruce springsteen right and it was epic and i s- still listen to that yeah album. it's a
1: very good album
0: um and it's sadly one we can't review on the podcast because both of us are very familiar That's with it. That's right. Well, maybe we do enough <laughs> maybe episodes and episode. we're
1: running out of steam. <laughs> we can come back to some of these things we both like.
0: Um, so things I like about the album overall, the instrumentation is amazing. Um, the songwriting is amazing. I The songs really kind of tell little stories. And they're very specific stories, which is cool. Um, this is the first album we've reviewed so far where I, I felt actually compelled to go up, look up the lyrics for some of the songs, um, which is is not normally how I do things. So. Um,
1: um, <laughs> well, you kind of have to with the Springsteen album because, again, sometimes it's a little hard to understand everything he's saying. He's got that kind of gruff, rough voice, and you don't necessarily yeah. pick it all up. And even I've listened to this album a million times, but I did the same thing. I went and got the lyrics to really sit down and take a dive in the mm-hmm. lyrics. And, you know, some of the things that I remembered, I was not remembering correctly um, oh, okay. because of that. I had different lines in my head than what's actually written on the Interesting. paper. Interesting. Uh, but that's a that's very very common.
0: Yeah, and yeah. because all the songs are so like specific, and you know they're specific to things he'd been through in his life, it kind of made me. This was this is a weird feeling, but it like made me feel nostalgic for his life you know like a time I wasn't alive during and a life I had never lived but I was feeling like a little bit of nostalgia right which was you know an interesting and you know obviously we have a Jersey connection you grew up in New Jersey your whole family grew up in New Jersey and I have very warm memories of spending time in New Jersey, so um, I feel like it's in my blood to, to be a Springsteen fan <laughs> and, and to feel that sense of nostalgia for a Springsteen album.
1: And it's interesting, I, I play a lot of Bruce Springsteen albums, um, but it's interesting that you, you guys as kids, you don't remember them as much, like we had a conversation about, oh, you're a huge Beatles fan, and that's absolutely the case. And but you guys remember those albums vividly. You remember the REM albums vividly, Mm -hmm. but you don't remember the Springsteen albums with as much intensity. And that's true. Even though I played them a lot, I played them a lot in the car because they're great driving albums. Mm -hmm. And so that's a um, that that's a really um, interesting. That the one that really stood out was the first one you really heard. You know, like when Magic came out, and you were part of that fray.
0: One more thing I wanted to say before we go track by track. I don't consider myself a super patriotic person, but this album made me feel patriotic because it's just so like Americana to me.
1: It really is. The stories are all, they're, they're blue collar working class hero kind of stories. A lot of them about dreams that have kind of died, you know, like all that, the shine of youth is off now, and now they're working for a living, and there's these kinds of issues that are very, very, um, mm-hmm. very um, uh, poignant in a lot of these songs. Mm-hmm. And uh, most of the writing is makes it interesting. There's one on here that to me is a little too on the nose, but um, but fits that motif. But um, most of them, the writing... factory? It is factory. Look at us. (laughs) We'll talk about (laughs) it. (laughs) Yes, we will. (laughs) I guess two on the nose gave it away, right? (laughs) But uh, but the other ones, it's not quite that way, right? The other ones, the the themes, you know, it's like, um, uh, you know, there's a lot of car themes, obviously, which kind of plays off the Born to Run.
0: Yeah, the genre of this album, when I looked it up, was characterized as Heartland Rock. And I had never heard that term before, but it's pretty perfect.
1: Yeah, and I think a lot of artists like Melon, John Cougar Mellencamp falls into that. Uh, well, and
0: you know, famously, I think John Cougar Mellencamp and Bruce Springsteen sound very similar as vocalists.
1: Yes, they do. Absolutely. They absolutely do. Yeah, and, um, I
0: get them confused often. <laughs> and sadly,
1: you know, you may have to review a Mellencamp album at some point, Uh-oh. but we'll cross that bridge when we oh, get to no. it. Oh, <gasps> no. Okay.
0: All right, so let's, uh, let's get into the tracks. Let's do it. So the first track is Badlands. badlands Uh,
1: and your thoughts on badlands
0: i think this is a great opening track um it it opens the album wonderfully
1: i agree this is my third favorite on the album
0: oh wow okay
1: um the the other thing i want to point out is he this is another one of those albums that had two sides to it and springsteen was notorious for doing um the album sides very similarly opening with a big loud You know anthemic kind Mm -hmm. of song like we just heard and then closing the side with a slower more melancholy song oh interesting and this album's exactly like that when we get to those songs i'll point them out but yeah and then when you flip the album and you get another big anthem and so i think that's
0: the way to do it honestly uh, yeah i
1: I would agree i think it's fair to 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 do the back the the last song on a side slowly for sure especially side one sometimes i'd rather have a big robust closing on side two. But I agree with you that having a slower song to end side one. So, um, yeah, this is one of my three favorite songs on here. I, nice. I love it. I love the song. And it's a really, it, lyrically, it's a very good song, too.
0: Oh, yeah. I, I pulled out a line that I wanted to share. Um, I love the line, poor man want to be rich, rich man want to be king, and a king ain't satisfied till he rules everything.
1: That's funny because uh, that was the section, if I was going to play <laughs> a clip, would be the section that I would play.
0: That's so, very funny. Yeah. And and um, great minds.
1: But you're right, it's just a very simple story. Um, it is. Um,
0: and Clarence Clemens has a kick ass saxophone. That's exactly solo right. And this. it just
1: pops up. Yeah. Like what we were talking about yeah. before. He just gets up. There's
0: like a guitar solo and then all of a sudden
1: he takes, he takes over the song for like <laughs> 35, 40 seconds and then uh, and then he disappears. He vanishes into the ether yeah, yeah. like he does in a lot of these songs. It's pretty cool.
0: Yeah. The other thing I wanted to say is we, we know that Bruce Springsteen's not like known for being a, an amazing vocalist, but he has so much like passion and emotion in his voice that it really doesn't matter like how much raw talent he has as a vocalist and that's really on display in this song. I mean, at some points like you can tell he's straining his voice to yes. like sing powerfully. Yes. But it really doesn't matter because he like the emotion is so on point.
1: I think you get more of that in this album because of the way they produced it. They all played together as if they were on a live stage. Okay. And so they had that kind of energy to it, which mm-hmm. you might be more muted in a if you go listen to sometime Tunnel of Love, which was a solo album that I love to death, lyrically, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. But the but his vocal is, vocals are not as um, impactful because of that, because he's not huh. playing in front of a huge big band and he feels like he's got to overpower the oh, band. interesting. And you know how I feel about technically proficient singers that bore me because <laughs> just because you can hit those notes doesn't mean you ought to, right? Yeah, you sure, get that's, that's fair. And so a lot of my vocalists that I love from the 70s, Rod Stewart, Bruce Springsteen, uh, Sting with the police, they all have raspy, rougher voices, and mm-hmm. yet emotionally you can carry the song with that. They mm-hmm. don't have to be the best singers because you can still feel the emotion. And and you threw Mellencamp in that mix, and I would throw him into the mix as well. So yeah, I agree. There's a lot of power to, to what he's singing here and a lot of emotion, and mm-hmm. you can feel that in the power of his voice.
0: So let's move on to track two.
1: I'm happy to do that, or I'm happy to uh, rate, rate our beer. Rate the first beer. <laughs> okay, if you don't let's mind. do that. Well, let's do it. So, again, we're having the jerk maker, right? Which yes. is the half Weizenbach, Wiesenbach,
0: Weisenbach, yep. I like this one a lot.
1: Yes, I do too.
0: I think I will give this a 3.75.
1: That's what I'm giving it. Interesting. Of course, where's as we always talk about, uh oh, I have the pen. you got to write this down so we can do our untapped <laughs> notes later because you can't, <laughs>
0: can't. Untapped? Untapped? Do yeah, you hear us I'm mentioning you?
1: Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> we will be rating these beers on Untapped. for those of you who don't know what that is. It is a beer app where you get to rate the beers. And so. Um,
0: and we're just so thirsty for that sponsorship.
1: But a 3.75, as we know from you, is
0: it's less impressive than, from than a
1: 3.75 from me. Right. So what's our next beer on our hit list? Here? Next,
0: we will be trying James Brown,
1: an James Imperial Brown, Brown Ale. All right. Let me get that one up. That's a little bit darker, obviously. it's a clear, Much darker. It's very clear, Bear. It's not cloudy yes. at all.
0: It has almost a reddish cast yeah, it does. to it. Like ch- I would call it chestnut.
1: Yeah, it's kind of a reddish brown. You're right. That's a, um, smooth and malty.
0: I would call it malty. It's a little uh, nutty.
1: Yeah. Funny you said chestnut, right? I I think, a lot, I think a lot of brown ales have a nutty quality to I them. agree. But I think the molts, the the prominent feature of this one. Yeah, it does have a little bit of a long aftertaste. Really there, smooth though. But it is smooth.
0: Really smooth.
1: But are you getting like a? You can taste it for a while mm-hmm. once you put it down. Yep. So let's dwell on that one for a while, and then we will um, we will come on back and uh, give that one a rating. So we're on to we're all the way up to track two. We're <laughs> just rocking through this. By the <laughs> way, this is the second consecutive album that I picked that has ten songs on it. Oh. And and you always pick 11 hmm. So I don't know why you always have to dial it up to 11
0: but, Oh my gosh but, That was uh, a bad joke
1: <laughs> this, one's, this one's got 10 <laughs>
0: <laughs> Okay, the next song is Adam Raised a Cane That was a little taste of Adam Raised a Cane.
1: Another religious reference we were talking about, I think, on the last yeah, album. Yeah, right? I thought that too. Not that he does a lot of religious references, but he certainly tells. There
0: are a few in this album, though. There are. Um, first of all, as soon as that intro played, I was like, "Oh yeah, this song is my favorite." Oh wow! I didn't even have to wow. hear the rest of the songs. This is my favorite on the How album. About
1: that, that impresses me. Why? I don't know. Okay. I like this song. It's not. It may be number five for me. Oh,
0: interesting. Um,
1: but I, but I, uh, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I, like
0: I, I love that intro. It, I would describe it as unrelenting guitar. For sure. And I just thought it was so cool and epic. Second of all, the the title is so clever, um, because you know Adam, the biblical Adam, literally raised a cane. Like his son was Cain But also raising Cain Is a synonym for like wreaking havoc Yes And The song's about how he's like a disappointment to his dad And he feels like the black sheep of the family And I just thought all of that together is like Absolutely brilliant So this is my favorite song on the album
1: Yeah I think lyrically it's really really cool At the beginning it's sort of like um, There's a whole discussion about this hope of a new birth
0: He gets baptized Right Mm -hmm. And then
1: Uh now he's got to go work really hard to support this family. Mm-hmm. And there's this sort of resentment towards this son because of that. And the son is feeling that. Yeah. You're talking about the, the anguish of being, you know, a disappointment to his father. Mm-hmm. It's almost like he's an economic burden to mm-hmm. his father. Mm-hmm. And again, I want to point out that that economic, that money thing. There's a lot of songs on here that r- seem to involve that. And remember, yeah, yeah. he had a money dispute. Money was hot mm-hmm. on his mind. Yeah. So a lot of these songs, well, there's a couple other ones where where the economics of it are in, in the just loosely in the mm-hmm. theme of the song, and but he writes it about like other people, right? But he's able to get his own kind of right. issue to the table by telling this this sort of story. Mm-hmm. So again, these are heavy duty themes for this oh, guy yeah. based on his first three albums this was not what you would expect to come out of uh, a very young artist at the time.
0: Right. And like, I mean, Magic has some serious themes on it as well. More political themes um, than economic themes, I would think. But um, other than that album, the only other Springsteen songs I had heard were like Born to Run and Rosalita, which are both like super happy, light, boppy, and um, like still very Americana, but not these dark themes. And so... Um, this was a total, like as you were saying before, this was a shift in his career. This was also a shift in how I had listened to Bruce Springsteen. So,
1: right, that was that was the thing about those early albums is they were um, they were rock albums. Don't get me wrong, but they played. They were they were bouncier musically. Yep. They were. Um, much more uplifting, up tempo kind yeah. of albums. And that's why this one really, you know, it took a left turn. Mm-hmm. It, and I think in a good way, mm-hmm. in, a, in a powerful way as a songwriter. By the way, just so you know, at the time that it, the album came out, he was all of 29 years old. Oh my gosh. So, <laughs> wow. Um, and I say that you're not quite 29 yet, but...
0: No, but at this point, he's had s- such a career already, you know? Right,
1: right. This is his fourth album already. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm saying. You forget that he's, you know, his first album, he was probably 23. That's wild. Uh, t- maybe 24. You know, he's born in 1949. So I think, um, no, his first album came out in 71, uh, which was uh, Asbury Park. So he would have only been 22 at the time. So yeah, he had, but but this is really that I made that comment about all of a sudden he's adulting, and, that, yeah. and it's really the case. You know? Yeah,
0: yeah. Awesome. Okay, let's move on to something in the night. It just Tastes of something in the night.
1: It's funny, my uh, the section I would have picked included that as well. Really? Yeah, I had a little bit more of the verse above that. um,
0: Interesting.
1: Because of um, again the theme I wanted to point out in that. So
0: interesting. Um, This is not my favorite on the album. It might be my least favorite on the album. Um, It's quite long, and the and the intro. Just the music is like a minute and 15 it's a very, seconds. Very,
1: it's a very long song, it's yes. Which
0: is really long, but when he gets into the, 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 the lyrics, the first thing he says is, Well, I'm riding down Kingsley. And the first time I heard this song, I thought he was saying, Well, I'm riding down to Gainesville.
1: <laughs> that's funny. And I
0: was like, what? Hold up, is that why my dad chose this album? Turns out that's not what he was saying, but...
1: That's what I was saying before about funny little like I had here. you hear different things in your head than he really says and then mm-hmm. you carry that for a million years and then you finally look at the lyrics like, oh no, that's not, I've been singing that wrong for all these years.
0: Yeah. Um, so this, this album is difficult for me to evaluate because I feel like it's kind of half and half songs that are like big rockers that I would put on like a road trip playlist and that I love singing along to. And then the other half is just like Slower, more vibey music that I can listen to it while working. And it's like a nice sound and a nice vibe to have while working, but it's not, it's not so fun that it's going to pull me out of work mode or like distract me from working. Right. And those two styles are really kind of scattered throughout the album. So I love the songs individually. However, I cannot think of a scenario in which I would want to listen to this album as a whole. Because the moods are so fluctuating throughout it.
1: Yeah, he does. He goes back and forth between those two styles of music. And when we go through, what's my favorite song? What are my favorite songs on here? They're going to be the big,
0: oh yeah, anthemic Me songs, too. right? Me too. But there is a lot of slower stuff on here. You know,
1: There's a ton. There's a ton of slower. Yeah. stuff. I was listening. To, it's funny you said how, how long the song is. I was listening to this the other day, and I was doing some work. I was listening to it in the background, and and I was like. I finally I went where am I in the album did I miss <laughs> did I miss the next song just Candy and I was like did I miss Candy am I? no I'm still no, on we're still I'm still on this something song.
0: in the night but I will
1: say the one thing I will say about this is this is one of the first what I would consider the anti-born to run songs on the album it's really a song about a guy taking a long drive to kind of contemplate life and all the difficulties of, you know, adulting, like we've been joking about yeah. here. There's also a thing about, um, uh, there's some things in here about his money woes. Um, he references that once again in here, going back to the thing about where he was having money problems with his manager. And so I overall like the song, but I'm with you. This is like in that middle third to bottom third of the, mm-hmm. of the record for me. Yeah. Um, because of that, it's just, it's a nice... Ballad with a deep theme. But yeah, it's not musically, it's not incredibly engaging to yeah, me musically.
0: Yeah. And I listen to this album a lot at work. You know, the, the first time I listen to these albums, I really try and sit down and pay attention. And then I listen to it a lot like you, while I'm doing various things, while I'm working, while I'm doing dishes, while I'm cleaning my room, you know. And so I, I'm trying to get them ingrained in my head. Right. Because then I think I can speak about them better. Um, but it does result in you know sometimes i'm working while playing these albums and so i re- can really point out what's a good song to work to and which i like feel compelled to break my concentration and sing right um and this album for the most part is a pretty good working album so that yeah. got that going for well, the
1: other day i was totally lost in the song i, d- right, I was working right. and didn't know where i was even in the album
0: oh the working life
1: The working life. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that later we'll
0: talk to that later um should we rate our beer
1: I think we should rate the second one. Okay. We're whipping through the songs pretty quick here, and there's only ten, as we pointed out, so. <laughs> that's two and a half tracks per beer. we got to knock it out oh of the park though. Oh, my goodness. Today. So, this one for me, uh-huh. um, by the way, there's a little caramel taste to it that I picked up now mm. that it's warmed up a little bit. Interesting. Not too, too much, but that's probably yeah, sort of the way that malt was roasted. But anyway, um, brown ale's a category I'd, I'm not a big, big fan of the brown ales. So I like them. Um, I drink them. I, yeah. I would drink this one again. I'm going to give this one a three-five. Sort of liked Little it, but drink it again. Um, but it's you know a typical brown ale, and uh, that's just not one of the categories. I'm. It's not one of my preferred categories. So it's a solid entry in a category that you know I'm. I guess I'm kind of impartial to because. I would drink it. I always order them, mm-hmm. and then uh, I've not been surprised by one. Sure. Where like, Ooh, this is a spe- you know this is they're j- they're just a solid solid beer category for me.
0: I I'm the same way. It, you know it it they don't excite me, but like if there's a brown ale on the menu, I can almost guarantee that I'm going to enjoy it because it's just a, a basic smooth drinking experience
1: i think it's that there's not a lot of variety like when we try some of these other things like when you do it a hazy ipa there's a multitude of ways that can be prepared Mm -hmm. and so you get a much more complex flavor profile which means they can run the gamut from spectacular to (laughs) i I would drink it again whereas the brown ales have a very small window of flavor profiles they're very consistent most of them taste very similar
0: yeah and so um
1: you know that's what I'm saying. I don't typically get surprised. To go, ooh, what'd they do with this brown uh-huh. ale? That's different than all the others because of the way they're probably the way they're brewed. They're within a very small window of flavors.
0: I will say there's a local Gainesville brewery um, called Cypress and Grove that we'll probably get to at some point. Um, but they have a pecan brown that is just outstanding. It is so good. So and cool. and
1: the, and, the, and using pecans would be a way to kind of alter the flavor. Yeah. The, uh, flavor So profile, we'll have right?
0: to so, we'll have to have you try that one see if you uh, like it oh
1: my god another road trip to Gainesville <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> oh come on it?
0: you love seeing me
1: well it's funny we, we, we made a reference that we're you know we're drinking dark beers on the edge of town when I lived here this was the edge of town if you were going to the Oaks Mall which is near where we are you were the out you were the end of the earth mm-hmm. and now it's just like the middle of town like it, things go so far in every direction from what was here when I lived here mm-hmm. in the 80s that we're no longer really on the edge of town, right. but we'll pretend we are. <laughs> it used to be the edge of town.
0: And like, I so rarely come up this way that for me, it basically is the edge of town. Well, yeah, you
1: live on the other side of town. I do.
0: Um, well, uh, let's try, um, date night and then move on to our next song.
1: Okay. So date night is a Belgian quad, Belgian. Quad. And it was made
0: with date sugar, which I'm very, uh,
1: and it is uh, to try. It's on the dark side. Dark yeah, it's, Brown. It's quite dark. It's not. It's uh, a little bit cloudy, it looks like to me. It's not particularly... Well, it's... It's, um, it's pretty clear. It's, it's pretty really clear. dark. I think that it's dark is why I'm not seeing through that. Can't hold it up to the light.
0: <laughs> I'm holding it up to the door outside to see. You can just see my own reflection in it.
1: And I really like that one. It's uh, sweet. You can taste the sugar for sure.
0: Oh, wow. Very
1: smooth.
0: I know. I tend to think of quads as like too boozy to drink but this is not boozy it's uh, just sweet yeah,
1: no no they're strong I mean, that's why I like them. They they are, they are strong beers, for sure. I don't know that I get a lot of boozy quality. Most of the ones that, most of the beers I drink that I would give a boozy kind of rating to are the ones that are barrel-aged. barrel, like barrel aged aged, yeah. And are really in a booze barrel, like a bourbon barrel. I think we mentioned that before. But this one... Um, this is really good. It's strong, but it not strong. over-strong. And uh, it's really sweet in the forward. It's very, it is very, very sweet. Very sweet in the forward part very of the sweet. But...
0: Um, I want to say I taste a little date, but... I don't know if that's just psychological. Like
1: yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't um, necessarily pick up that specifically that it's dates. Um, dates are super sweet, which may be why there's a lot of residual sugar left over. It's like a lot of the sugar wasn't fermented, right? Yeah,
0: but it's not. You know, it's not fruity, but it's
1: no, no, no it it's has not like a
0: little bit of. A, f- a fruity character I, I, I'm i convinced I taste dates
1: dates don't really strike me as fruity when I eat them just to eat them they eat more like candy to me to begin with so I, I mean, don't know
0: yes they're super sweet but like you can tell that they're of a fruit you can tell that they are of a plant
1: well they're fibrous oh, okay. <laughs> that's what you mean they let's, have, a, let's agree have to have disagree <laughs> All right, we agree to disagree I think dates are candy
0: well, good for you. Which is why
1: on Valentine's Day it was a good choice
0: okay. for date night. And speaking of candy. Mm.
1: <laughs> nice segue. Let's move on. Let's move on to the next song,
0: Candy's Room.
1: Candy's Room. There's a sadness hidden in that pretty face. A sadness all her own. From which no man can keep candy safe. We kissed him. My heart was in my And the blood rushes in my veins The fire rushes through the
0: sky go And go deep
1: into notice you like to get to the chorus and then cut it off <laughs> <laughs> just when i'm ready to sing um well
0: i wanted to yeah the reason i chose that section was because i wanted to avoid the like longer intro that's just drum and spoken word yes yes but yes. i did want to get into sort of the transitional section of the song um i don't i don't love the intro um it's a little slow for me, but I understand why he did it that way. Um, like, it matches lyrically. He's like, Thing about this girl, and then, like, together. They're together, and then his, like, heart rate picks up, and that's exactly when all the instruments come in. Right, right. And at that point, it becomes an awesome rockin' song.
1: Right, it does start slow and, and then become a really good rocker.
0: hmm
1: You know what it's about, right?
0: Uh, No. She's, is she a sex worker. She's a call
1: girl. Oh, <laughs> yeah,
0: God. we use the word sex worker now, Dad. So I'm, uh,
1: forgive me, <laughs> forgive me. I'm. am t- It's a '70s song. I'm using <laughs> '70s lingo. Yes. Interesting. She's a sex worker, and and the, a lot of the lyrics um, the, that are interesting. That he's the boyfriend of a sex worker is basically what's going oh. on here. So he's he's got all those things like you know you guys are all spending time with candy but Um, she's mine but i'm candy's man man, and that's the theme that's the theme of the song so again adulting
0: (laughs) and that's why he's in candy's room as opposed to candy's house
1: right so it's just yeah because it's like there's a line on here it says strangers from the city call my baby's number and they bring her toys when i come knocking she smiles pretty she knows i want to be candy's boy
0: Oh, my goodness. Bruce.
1: Yeah. It's
0: scandalous.
1: Well, it's a story.
0: It is a story.
1: <laughs> but that's, yeah, that's for sure. But, again, you know, you, it's, again, you have to read the lyrics and really, they're deep, you know, thought-provoking songs. And, yeah, it, it, it kicks butt when it when it gets, when it starts to ramp.
0: It's a big sound when it actually absolutely. kicks in.
1: No, and, yeah. Yeah, I've always liked this one. I like the sound of it. I like, you know, you were talking about that beginning, that interesting start to it. I actually enjoy the interesting start to it. I don't have any problems with that mm-hmm. because it is different than some of the other yeah. things that you hear. And, um, you know, musically, he's always been... Actually, his earlier albums, the, the musical sounds that even were diverse when you listen to some of the things. If you listen to Wild's, the Wild, the Innocent, and East Street Shuffle, it's all over the place um, musically. And because they have a big band and a lot of options but um what i was going to say is that they because they are in a room playing these songs together as a band you don't get the you don't get the variation necessarily that you get in the precise recording of the earlier albums but all those elements are in the in the, and this was one where he, they did something a little different to start it off and i actually like that as uh, I, was, I was i'm a fan of this one i like this song it's like in the middle third for me
0: well and i you know i like when they feature like a member of the band and you know the drummer was clearly on display
1: right so i I think that was cool max weinberg's time to shine
0: (laughs) good job max which is the title of his upcoming
1: (laughs) album non-teasing oh
0: my gosh don't make jokes people will google it (laughs) (laughs) that's right
1: people who know how to use the google machine will google it
0: yeah yeah um so almost none of our audience
1: (laughs) well not me i have to rely on you to google things
0: god isn't that the truth
1: I do all my Googling before I get here, and when I'm here, I got problems, but you, that you're good. Is, mm-hmm. yep. I'm going to have another problem later when I want to share something with you at the end, and, um, and I cannot get it to work on my Spotify, so I'm going to have to beg you for help. But that's okay. We'll deal with that oh, when we get wow. to it. Oh,
0: wow. Okay, foreshadowing. At least I know it's coming. Well, <laughs> I look forward to it. No, I don't think you do. But. <laughs> Let's move on to racing in the street.
1: So sad. So sad.
0: Um, Yeah, this is nearly a seven-minute song. Yes. It's basically an epic poem.
1: (laughs) It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Like, it's so long. Um, This is another example of a song that I would not put on a road trip playlist, for example, but that I would work to. It's, you know, very Yeah, right, 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 right. I think that any of the songs where the piano is big, I have that reaction to. It's more of a, like, working just a song to kind of have on in the background
1: huh that's interesting the piano huh? that's the thing. yeah
0: I think well because to me piano I mean obviously piano can be great and stimulating I'm sure but to me piano is definitely more of like an atmospheric kind of yeah, instrument yeah 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 um the opening of this song reminded me a lot of another Bruce Springsteen song, which I would like to play, if that's okay with you.
1: I'm to- I am have no control of the dongle tonight, so it's all you.
0: <laughs> so the, the one it reminded me of was called Terry's Song from Magic, Magic. the album we talked about earlier from 2007. Um, so let's play a little bit of that.
1: One of a kind But many ships Have ruled the seas They built the Eiffel Tower To stand alone But they could build another If they please the Taj Mahal Pyramids of Egypt Are unique I suppose but when they built you
0: Brother They broke the mold So the, you know, the piano, it, I don't think that, um, the other one, what's that one called? Hold on.
1: Racing in the street?
0: I don't think that racing in the street can really count as an acoustic song because there's like a lot of synthesizer in it. Yeah, for sure.
1: That's an organ. It's not a synthesizer. It's a Hammond organ. Oh, really? I think it's Hammond organ.
0: Oh, okay. That's
1: what Danny, Danny Federici played the organ. Somebody else played the piano, right?
0: Okay. Anyway, um, the instrumentation is sparse on that song. Yes, and it is sparse on Terry's song. And right, the big piano and like the sadness—they um, just reminded me a lot of each other. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. canonically, Terry's song is my brother Zach's favorite sad song. That is correct. Canonically.
1: Well, we'll have to explain that on a different episode, <laughs> canonically. First of all, you have to explain that word, not to me, but to the audience. No,
0: people know what canonically I know. means. Well, um,
1: I also I, I'm not sure I do, but <laughs> I do.
0: <laughs> yes, you do. Um, I do want to point out some lyrics from Racing in the Street, uh, my favorite lyrics. For all the shut-down strangers and hot-rod angels rumbling through the promised land, Tonight my baby and me were going to ride to the sea, and wash these sins off our hands.
1: Yeah, I again, I it's interesting because you'll notice that that's the section I was <laughs> going to play if I was in control of the clips. I have that clip, wow, actually. Wow, what are the
0: odds? Well, again, another religious reference, right? Promised Land, washing sins off our right, hands. But right. also, interestingly, the title of the next song. Right,
1: so you're going to flip the album here, Promised Land. Is
0: Promised Land. I
1: think that's why I circled that. And this one he to me... He must have done that
0: on purpose. I mean, that cannot oh, have been a coincidence. Oh, for
1: sure. And not only that, to me this is the quintessential anti-born to run song on the album. And when you say okay. it's an epic poem, it really it goes through movements, the thematic movements because it really starts off you know he's talking about, even though it's slow the play the, the section you played is him describing this big muscle car and how he's going to go out and win this big drag race. <laughs> yeah. but he does it in a very morose kind of way yeah, because, because the song is you know it's kind of a morose song. Because really what it's about, it's like, it sounds like a guy who in his younger life had very, a, a very exciting life of drag racing. And, uh, you know, meeting girls. And, 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 and in the song, he meets a particular girl that he goes on to talk about. And now the shine is worn off, not only the racing, but also it sounds like the relationship. Mm-hmm. And so you get into the, to the. Uh, now they're just going out to drive and it's not any fun anymore. <laughs> Right. Oh, and so that's to so me sad and when you listen to the Born to Run lyrics and it's all about we're gonna get a car and go. Yeah. Highway nine chrome wheel, fuel injected. It's the it's the early part of this song both lyrically and musically. And now he's got the lyrics he's telling that same story <gasps> but finishing it.
0: You just blew my mind. And
1: that's why that's why I think a lot of the songs on here are kind of um, a response to Born to Run wow. and the success of Born to Run. So I do like this song a lot. I know what you're saying. It's long. It's slow, but it's a complex song and uh, it's a great story. Um, I, you know, I do like the song very much. But I'm with you on this sort of thing. Like this album's almost schizophrenic in the sense that it's.
0: <laughs> Can we say that? Are we going to get canceled? I don't know. What do
1: I have to say? <laughs> I don't what do know. I have to say? Bipolar?
0: No, that's not any better.
1: Okay. Moody? Uh, How Moody? about Moody? Well, no, because you have <laughs> these big outbursts of you know yeah. rock anthems, and then you have these slow songs, and they do balance out each other nicely. And that's why I wanted. To, that's why I wanted to do this album because we've had a lot of success with the album so far, where we you know we've given each other albums that we like very much. I wanted to put something into the mix that was a little bit more complex. So because I feel like, you know. We don't criticize things enough uh, uh, so far at least where we go no I absolutely hate this we've not had that experience yet and so part of me picked this album because
0: you thought I would hate it
1: no 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 (laughs) I didn't think you would hate it I wanted to hear which parts you liked and which parts were different for you that's fair because if I had given you The Wild, The Innocent and The East Street Shuffle we'd have had another one of these conversations like oh I love it I love it Uh I love it I love it for all these different reasons and there's things on here that you have to like on a different level sure and um, you know not all music is going to be bouncy pop kind of yeah. fun, yeah. and I wanted something a little a little dark for our edge of town experience. Well,
0: I do appreciate that, Dad.
1: Good. I'm glad you did, and I'm I'm also glad you like the songs for different reasons. Yeah. So, with that in mind, let me have another sip of this date night while we uh, flip the album. <laughs> so I think we move on to the. This will be the first song on technically side, side two B. of the album.
0: Side, side two or side B.
1: No, th- I. oh you got it's me it's a
0: b-side only for a single they used
1: to call them b-sides on singles I, thi- or mm. Singles, mm. I think on albums it's side one and side two okay good so to I'm, know I, I, listen I'm just Again, making stuff up
0: I've never heard a record in my life <laughs> ju- that's, not, that's actually a lie that's a lie but it's, it's a rare experience yes for me.
1: it is rare and, and you never get through the whole thing in order to flip it and you can't skip the songs as we've been over
0: Okay, listen. <laughs> I wouldn't try to skip a song on a record. You you listen to a record to listen to the album.
1: Well, that's why I do the same thing with CDs. But you have the advantage digitally of just being able to go, oh, it's a skip, it's not a skip, it's a skip, it's not a skip. But
0: don't you think you would listen to specific albums because you're going in with the desire to listen to a whole album, whereas if you're listening digitally, you're, you might be going in saying, oh, I want to hear a song.
1: I think if I'm picked an album to listen to, it's because I want to listen, I to this day.
0: Even digitally.
1: Yeah. I go, I want to hear Darkness on the Edge of Town from start to finish.
0: That is so different now, from I how pick, I listen to music. But I
1: would pick songs, like I have a playlist to run to where I've selected songs from various albums and I sure. put on shuffle play. That's different than what I'm talking about. But if I'm going to listen to this album, I'm not going to go listen to my three favorite songs and move okay. on.
0: Well, but like, yes, that's fair. But 99% of my music listening Is playlists You know it's
1: Sure Okay That's fair
0: Which I mean There's no one right way Or wrong way I'm still consuming good music Right
1: And I would say 99% Of what I listen to Is album specific that's so interesting Because that's how I That's how I yeah. Learned to listen to music When I fu- Well And by the way That's how I learned To listen to music
0: mm-hmm. Starting
1: with this album because this again is the first album that I ever experienced in its entirety as an album with friends sitting around listening to an album. As a group. Can you yeah. imagine? We're in a basement playing
0: listening an album and going, Oh,
1: it's the new Bruce album. <laughs> and they're all sitting they're like they're like over here doing worship services, you know, Ooh, it's the new Bruce album. I'm like, Bruce Who? You know
0: Bruce Who? What?
1: Springsteen, what kind what? of name? <laughs> what? I like I don't know what's going on. And and so but that's how you learn about different good stuff, that right? I was so, so I was so, uh, I'm so glad that I had that experience. Yeah. And it wasn't until. And I'm
0: w- glad you had that experience. Well,
1: and weirdly enough, like it wasn't until I got to college where I had, and we'll tell the story later, um, about when I, I worked at a radio station, I had access to the music library that I really started to have access to a lot of different albums that's where I actually got my Springsteen collection together because they had all the albums and I could just go into the production studio and tape them and that's so I got them all but you know this and the river like they were the only two Springsteen albums I knew for a very long time
0: interesting Interesting. and they had
1: a very unique sound that sounded very similar so when you go to put the older stuff on you're like whoa that's right different but very cool
0: but canonically your favorite driving song Rosalita it is which is not this kind of sound
1: no it's not at all and you know what that's that's, from
0: is that from the wild that's from the
1: wild the innocent and and the the Street Street Shuffle shuffle. and what I used to do with that just so you know so I had it on cassette tape forever and when I would drive home from when I lived in uh, Gainesville when I went to school here and I would drive to New Jersey to see my family your grandparents for example I would Make this long drive, and I'd have all these tapes in the car. I knew where on I-95 I needed to start oh. the Wild, the Innis, <laughs> and the East Street Shuffle, so that when I was driving the last stretch from Salem to Bridgeton, New Jersey, on back roads, that I got to the line somewhere in the swamps of Jersey. So I knew where to start the tape, so that I, that song played while I was on that 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 drive home in the last rural back road stretch of mud country in southern New Jersey.
0: That's quite amazing.
1: Isn't that crazy?
0: See, this is what I'm talking about. Like, I'm nostalgic for a life I never had. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, that story just made me feel like so proud to be your daughter
1: wow that's weird
0: like that was just a that 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 was just a cool story yeah (laughs) and
1: I'd be out there and sometimes (laughs) I'd be coming in it'd be like late at night because you know I'm driving from Florida it'd be be one o'clock in the morning and I'm I'm out in the dark and there's swamps I remember we're coming through one time and while I was playing it there were uh, lightning bugs all over the place while I was driving and I'm listening to Rosalita to get to the line you know my tires were slashed and I almost crashed yeah but the lord have mercy Um, my machine she's a dud all stuck in the mud somewhere in the swamps of Jersey and I had to hear that on that stretch of road somewhere and that night with the lightning bugs it was like it was just magical and you know so like but I did it every time I drove home every time I drove home I I played that song I played that album starting and I can't remember the exit now in 95 in Delaware so that by the time the 40 35 or 40 minutes to get to that song were done I was where I wanted to be wow So yes, Rosalita is my favorite driver. That's
0: amazing. For that reason. Oh wow! Okay, I feel like I can't follow up that story with any discussion. We have
1: to flip the album. (laughs) Flip the album. All
0: right, all right. Let's move on to. Let's get to
1: the back half.
0: Promised Land. Yes,
1: let's please. Wow!
0: Did I pick another section you wanted well, I, to highlight? I had
1: a section with a chorus in it. I had a little. I had a little more of the of some of the um, one of the verses in there. But yeah, this is um, my favorite song on the album. This is it.
0: This is my second favorite song on the album. I
1: I, I really this one just it's an uplifting song. Uh,
0: it's it's beautiful
1: it's about overcoming bad situations and different obstacles in your life it's probably you know cuz a lot of the songs are about the obstacles in your life and they seem to be downers mm-hmm. this one's not this yeah. is I'm I'm gonna get there I'm yeah. gonna make it through this and I'm gonna get there and I just I love this song so very much
0: I love it too I I think it's I think it's beautiful this was actually one of the few I had heard prior to like this listen through right right um, like I recognized it when I went back and listened to the whole album um I I just I find this song to be so hopeful and optimistic and he's definitely talking as you said about kind of the angsty parts of his life but he sees a way out. Right. And that's the most important thing. It's and the most
1: positive song on the album because of that. It
0: is. Because it is. it's the
1: one where I'm not stuck in the doldrums. Right. And can't overcome it. I'm stuck in the doldrums and I can overcome
0: right, it. Right, right. And you
1: probably don't remember this because you were talking about the Magic Concert. So, you know, Springsteen, typically he'll be out there, and I don't know if it's playlist based or not from what they do, but people stand out there and they have signs of different songs.
0: Right. And yeah, he'll yeah, go yeah. Out I do there remember and that. And he'll
1: grab a poster board that says whatever song. Now, I've always believed that he's got it on the playlist and he just picks the song when it's time in a playlist. Sure. I don't know that, but it's a great visual thing it's
0: like a party trick
1: and when he grabbed promised land the night we were there i almost cried oh. and the funny thing about that is you guys are there for that for the album oh yeah you like magic i have
0: zero memory of that. you don't
1: know what promised land is oh. all about and of all the songs that he played that night and he played "Rosalita" and he played born to run that was the one that got me when oh. he grabbed that sign Promised land and uh i have always loved this song yeah it's amazing and i feel like i you know those old days of sitting in the basement with phil and andy and listening to this thing it was like when they it was like flip the album come on guys flip the album yeah it's like the sun coming
0: up on a new day right wait
1: for the album to get flipped so that i could hear this song i just it's my favorite for sure but leaps and bounds there's not even close
0: yeah that's awesome yeah i do i do resonate with these hopeful lyrics i mean before you know earlier today mom was calling me moody yes, and like right. sure maybe i'm a little moody but like ultimately these like hopeful songs really resonate with me right. more yeah that's why you know my favorite rem song we've discussed is these days which famously michael stipe wrote when he was coming out of like a depressive right, episode right, right. and um and that's my favorite rem song because it's just it's a shift you know it's i'm coming out of a dark period And the world just looks hopeful to me. Yes, and I figured out how to get through it. That's such a like. That's such an important message.
1: The other thing I wanted to point out about this musically is big harmonica on this, which Bruce Springsteen yeah. plays, by the way. Yeah,
0: I remember him playing and, it at the concert. You know,
1: he wears, uh, if he if he's playing guitar on the song, some nights you got so many guitars on stage, he doesn't even have to play guitar, he just holds it, but a lot of times he'll wear that, that yep. piece I that he'll play. I
0: specifically remember that and from the concert. For
1: this song, he does that a lot, and um, it almost was, a, like you could imagine that that could all be Clarence's saxophone. There's a Clarence saxophone riff in this song, hmm. But it's interesting that they chose to go with the harmonica and not have Clarence play all those parts.
0: Um, well, let's rate our beer. I think we're going to need to be on our fourth beer for the next song because we we both probably have some opinions about it.
1: I don't have strong opinions, but I have a, <laughs> possible. Uh, I'm, a I'm giving that one a four. I wow. uh, really like that one a lot. Okay. Um, again, it was on the sweeter side for mm-hmm. uh, Belgian, but, um, but I liked it a lot. Good.
0: I feel like... Um, <laughs> my ratings are very boring. I'm gonna give it another three seven five. All right. Well. I am three for three on three seven five. But that tonight. means you
1: enjoyed the experience, if I remember right.
0: More than enjoyed.
1: All oh, right, 3.5 so is my like. Right.
0: I enjoyed the experience. Three seven five is uh, a step above that.
1: I think your three seven five is like my four point two five is what I'm getting. But we'll you know.
0: You you rate too high.
1: No, I don't. <laughs> you I don't. Do. I can tell you this. Have you when ever had a five? The, listen, I've had one, one or two fives. I've had two. When I put these in untapped. Yeah. And by the way, untapped is not a sponsor. <laughs> untapped. Uh, you know, we're not saying you need to be, but we're just no, saying. No,
0: we're saying you need to be. <laughs> okay.
1: Well, Abigail saying that. I want to go on record that I'm saying Abigail said that. <laughs> Uh, when we uh, when I go to put these numbers in Untapped, I will be incredibly close to the average ratings on Untapped. So I feel like my system, the way I do it, is consistent with like most people on a bell curve. So I'm okay with my system.
0: And I I might not be consistent with the general public. However, I am incredibly internally consistent. My bell sure. curve is on point
1: sure so if you're and that's five all that matters if you're a five foot two young woman
0: wow and you had to bring uh, height into it again
1: you should look at abigail's list <laughs> to find the beers that you will enjoy and if you don't want to smell a beer check my list out. <laughs> but anyway all right all right let's let's, let's try let's, go let's to try work. our fourth beer let's go to work
0: so this is <laughs> the working life so oh. this is a bit of a thickie which I identify as. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I used to, but I don't anymore.
0: And this is an old ale.
1: And um, I like that one for different reasons. Ooh. Wow.
0: Okay. Wow. I'm not sure I know what an old ale is. I'm not sure I've ever had one. Is it like a well, like an abbey beer?
1: It's gonna well, but on the probably on the English side of that. Okay. As opposed to the Belgian side. Okay. This drinks more like a British ale not a belgian
0: i like it it's interesting to me it, yeah it, i haven't like i can't put my finger on why or even what i would compare it to it's um, it's, it's it's bready
1: scotch ales it's very be, bready yeah it is very bready
0: should we move on to factory we gotta
1: move on to the factory
0: Oof, okay here we go here's factory Talk about working class heroes
1: Who wants to get up and do this again?
0: Well, okay, it's interesting Before I really looked at the lyrics for this song I was like, oh boy (laughs) This is, uh we don't like th- like this is romanticizing like just slaving away at a job
1: oh no no no
0: but when you read the lyrics
1: <laughs> no no no
0: when you read the lyrics it's yeah, completely the opposite so i think i think that you could easily read this song as like a leftist like anti-capitalist pro-union yes
1: song for sure and um and so now what other bruce springsteen stong- song falls in that category mm-hmm. I'm just going to throw this out there because you that's a great... Tell me. Born in the USA. Sure. Is a big anti-war song that every politician gets up and plays it like yeah. it's an anthem of yeah. patriotism, and they don't even understand the irony. But
0: I, I totally understand the misreading, though, because the... The sound, the tone of the music right. in this song yes. is very romantic. Yeah, this one. The working life. Yeah, yeah right, like, right, Oh, he's singing about the working life. Right. Until you read the lyrics, exactly. it's easy to miss here. Exactly. And for that reason, it made me think of a different song that I would like to play a little bit of for, for sure. you. Okay, let's go. Working
1: night to five. What kind of leftist pro-union stuff are you trying to sell me? So
0: that, of course, was 9 <laughs> yes. to 5 by the incomparable Dolly Parton, American yes. Hero yes. And, and COVID vaccine
1: Absolutely.
0: Uh, sponsor. Right. Um, And I just want to read you like some lyrics from Factory and then some lyrics from 9 to 5. All right. Okay, so Go here's, for it. Here are the lyrics from Factory. End of the day, Factory whistle cries. Men walk through these gates with death in their eyes. And you just better believe boy somebody's gonna get hurt tonight it's the working the working the working life
1: oh i thought that was nine to five sorry no. <laughs> <I> was <confused. laughs>
0: that was factory here's nine to five working nine to five what a way to make a living barely getting by it's all taking and no giving they just use your mind and they never give you credit it's enough to drive you crazy if you let it
1: Right. I, get, I totally get I'm but, so. But listen, that's a great that you pulled that song. It really is.
0: And 9 to 5 is so. It's a, beat. a bad
1: song. It's a beef.
0: You could <laughs> easily mistake her for being like, 9 to 5, I'm it's loving
1: my life. Exactly right.
0: But the lyrics tell a totally different story. I agree story. with
1: you. That's awesome that you pulled that song. Now, I have a song that I want to share that I can't because I'm a Spotify Noob. idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I want you to go on the Spotify, and I want you to search Bruce Springstone, S-P-R-I-N-G-S-T-O-N-E. What? Springstone. Okay. So I had the pleasure of listening to Bruce Springstone play live as the opening act for uh, Marshall Crenshaw back in the early 80s at uh, college.
0: I see the quarry just closing down then and a little bird up on the pole is screaming out how the working day's over. I'd see them dinosaurs, they'd be herding out through the gates. And the workers would be giving their cars a running start with their fat little feet. And so, so one day, I'm, I'm crossing the alley, and I see this
1: one worker coming home to his little stall hut. And I see him leave his lunch pail by the door, he calls out to his wife, Hey, well, I'm home, honey. So I'm at the Marshall Crenshaw concert Johns Hopkins. These guys come out and they're dressed in the actual outfits from the Flintstones and like what in the hell am I looking at I have no clue what I just listened to well it's the Flintstones theme done as if Bruce Springsteen
0: no I I got that but like wow
1: isn't that bizarre (laughs) bizarre. so I have this on vinyl I laughed so hard I do I laughed so hard when they came out and did this that on my way out I bought the vinyl (laughs) it's a a 78 now wait a minute it's a it's a full-size 12-inch oh disc with word. an A-side and a B-side. The B-side is Take Me Out to the Ball Game," And I laughed so hard. I had no idea what I was seeing. Yeah. I didn't know what to expect. And then they played that song, and I thought, I don't know. I've had this reaction with other stuff before, too. I don't know if I'm seeing genius or absolute stupidity. <laughs> I didn't know. But I knew that I liked it, whatever it was. Yeah, that was... And Wild. so I went and bought that album. And when you played The Factory and you started talking about 9 to 5, it made me think of Fred and Barney coming home from The Factory. So I'm glad you were able to find that and play that. That's
0: and, hilarious. Uh, yeah, it's good stuff. Well, in the beginning, where, you know, it's almost like Candy's Room, they did the little spoken word thing. Well,
1: in his concerts, he does a lot of talking between songs, a lot of talk mm-hmm. ups. Mm-hmm. And some of that, haw, 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 you were making a face in it, it comes right out of Backstreets. And he mentioned The Backstreets in there. <laughs> yeah. If you go listen to Backstreets, um, oh,
0: well, he does it on this album, you'll too. Hear he does, he does it, it on yeah. Darkness on so the Edge Town. So
1: I thought that was worth a listen. That to. is
0: hilarious. So hopefully
1: we will uh, we will be able to put the link in the show notes. So, so much for the factory. I think we've covered the factory I more. And by the way, just so you know, <laughs> my least favorite song on the album.
0: Is it really? Yeah. Not well, mine. Because,
1: well, because it's to me it's so on the nose, like I mentioned earlier. It is
0: on the nose, but at least it sounds good. Okay, let's move on to Streets of Fire. Streets of Fire. another one that starts kind of slow but when it kicks in oh boy does it kick in
1: yeah it goes back and forth though you know it does the high energy stuff and then it goes back the verses are
0: very quiet
1: yeah quiet verses, strong chorus. yeah yeah this is
0: like a solid middle-of-the-road song on this album for me I don't really have much to say about it um however the passion in his voice in this song Is bananas. It's very similar to the first song where, like, you can tell he's straining his voice because he's so passionate about what he's singing about. Um, But yeah, other than that, it's a very solid middle of the road song. Yeah,
1: and to me, it's another one of those that I would lump into that anti born to run. You know, it's Mm. another streets or more streets and cars, and it's more about a you know a a guy who seems to be depressed after a breakup or a fight of some sort, and he's out just driving to burn off his energy, kind of thing.
0: No, I totally get it. Um, and I do want to point out this was one I had heard before.
1: Really? This one? Where did you hear this one before? I don't know. <laughs> that's interesting. <laughs> because when, when it played, I recognized it. That's interesting because this one doesn't get a lot of airplay like on the radio or anything like that.
0: Well, and I don't listen to a ton of radio. There were
1: only two singles from this and I think they were, one was coming up, we haven't heard it yet, and the other one was... Um, the opening track, The opening right? track, yeah. right? Bad so Lance. my favorite song was not a single from this album, it was Badlands. <laughs> that's Lance. so interesting.
0: Yeah. I... You might not be able to answer this, but did, did albums have fewer singles back in the day?
1: I think it depended on um, how much shelf life the album had. So what I'm saying by that is that like if you released a single and it gave the album some juice on the charts, and the album was staying on the charts, the record companies would release another single too.
0: Oh, okay. Remember,
1: singles were marketing for the uh, sales of both singles and albums you know sure. what I mean? there was a money there was a money pot being made by people buying 45s like i did as a kid and then there was another secondary money pot for people buying the entire album the singles were when we talk about mtv which we're going to do in a few episodes when we get into the kind of mtv era albums the videos were there to sell records right so records they,
0: or singles no,
1: pretty much the whole record. Interesting. And, and maybe singles. Singles yeah. were still a thing then. Yeah. But the problem was that they spent a lot of money. That's a marketing budget thing, you know, to go do a big, giant video yeah. and put it on MTV and get it in rotation and that kind of stuff. Yeah. That took over for what was airplay of singles back in the 60s and 70s. And program directors from radio stations had a lot of say in what, would, what became a single what didn't become a single. So the... Ours would release it, and then they fought for airplay on radio stations, and that was all to drive, you know, album sales. It was a completely different music yeah, industry than what you're used sure. to. Sure,
0: I mean. You know, this one you said had only two singles. Band on the Run had only two singles. Right. But the High album we did had, I think, five or six?
1: Yes. I think six, six singles. Let's see, it's now it's digital drops, and it's a right. different and, thing.
0: And, well, and they release them in advance of the album, too, and to get they, people hyped up for the album.
1: They're also making money on the iTunes purchases of yep, singles, not necessarily true. album sales. An album anymore is the last place or the last way or format that people are going to buy the, the music collection.
0: So this is really... <laughs> A, a revolutionary podcast, because you're buying every album, regardless. Yes,
1: well, that's yeah, that's my sad reality. Is that I'm I'm locked into my purchasing requirements from the '70s, and I
0: I'm sorry, am '80s not. really, '80s '80s really. <laughs> Thank you, Spotify and SoundCloud, as we'll as we'll soon find out. So
1: anyway, uh, the. Uh, the fact that this only had two singles, which this album I think peaked at, I have the date, I'll have to look it up, I think it peaked at number five. It did very, very well commercially and was still considered a quote-unquote disappointment because it wasn't born-to-run born to, huh. r- born to run level sales. Wow. Can you imagine? You said
0: it hit five and it was a disappointment? Yeah,
1: I think so. What in the world? I think it hit number five. I'll look it up. I have it in here somewhere and I will dig it up in momentarily.
0: In your binder of information? In my binder.
1: You know me, I have all kinds of information.
0: Well, while you're looking for that, why don't I play a little taste of Prove It All Night?
1: And I've heard just a blue Maybe just one kiss We'll get this thing for you I'll kiss the seal I'll fade tonight I'll kiss the prove it all night Prove it all night Girl, there's nothing else that we can do So prove it all night Prove it all night And girl, I'll prove it all night for you So, um... This is my second favorite song on the album.
0: This is my third favorite.
1: I, I really, really like this song. So just, I do, too. Just my top three, just to recount. It's um, Promised Land, this one, and then uh, Badlands. They're my top three songs on the album.
0: And mine are Adam Raised a Cain, Promised Land, and then this one. Yeah. I I think this is a very sweet song. He's he's trying to prove to this woman that he can be the man that she needs him to be. And I just I find that very sweet and wholesome.
1: No, it's it's one of the only it's the only real love song i mean i don't count candy as a love song obviously for all the (laughs) reasons we're talking about you know so i think this is the only real true love song
0: dad sex workers are capable of experiencing
1: love okay i wasn't making a judgment call i'm just saying (laughs) this is the only to me the only love song on the album it's very sweet and um and just so you know, I did look it up while we were listening to that, and it did. It peaked at number five on the Billboard Top 200. The album. The album itself, yeah. Wow. And uh, the only two singles were the ones we mentioned before, so.
0: And did they peak anywhere?
1: Oh, now i got to look up I got, more homework.
0: Never mind. I'm so sorry. I will find it Forget while I ever we go
1: asked. on to the next. Are we going to the next song? Or I think are we, we should
0: rate the beer first. Oh, wow. I mean, we're basically done. This is the last song. Oh. No? Yeah, it is. It is.
1: Because I've already played the most important song of the night.
0: The Flintstones? The
1: Flintstones. <laughs> <laughs> My only find for the night was meet that's the true. Flintstones. That's all you
0: were responsible for. That was it. I did everything else.
1: I had it on vinyl and I was going to record it. I was like, <laughs> I wonder if that's on Spotify. And I went I looked and I was like, what? what? Although they listed as 2010 and I'm pretty sure I heard it like 1983. But anyway.
0: You might be misremembering. No, I'm joking. I was not in college
1: in, in 2010. I'm
0: joking. I but wasn't even in college in 2010.
1: So this beer is a very solid entry. I like it a lot.
0: I do, as well. Um, it's,
1: um, it's It's a bit smooth. of a thicky. No. <laughs> it is. It's a bit of a thicky. It's smooth. It's a little on the dry side. I don't call it sweet.
0: Yes, little, I agree. Dry.
1: A little, little malt color. Dry malt and malty. Cal- yeah. And uh, I'm a 375 in that one gosh so am i wow
0: i am i am four for four on three seven fives tonight
1: i think uh our musical taste and our beer drinking should be more uh divergent to make this podcast interesting i think we're becoming um
0: we're merging into one person
1: just we're co-joined twins
0: conjoined conjoined twins from different generations
1: oh that's weird (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Like as if we were stuck in a wormhole and then one of us butted off the other one. But the thing is Can
0: we just can we just be satisfied with saying that um nurture versus nature and I have a little bit of both from you?
1: Yeah, so I don't know how we I don't know how we sort out we which, don't. which is more dominant. We point, don't. Right? I have
0: half of your genetic information and
1: and, and all of my R E N information.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and apparently all of your musical tastes.
1: Oh so. no, well, that's too bad. I was hoping you were going to bring something to the table that I wasn't familiar with. That's
0: really offensive. Oh, I'm sorry. Take it you're back. Br- you're bringing stuff <laughs> to
1: the table that I'm not familiar with but it, and is perfectly in my wheelhouse. But that's the goal. That is true.
0: So I'm doing a good job. Just tell me I'm doing a good job. Just tell me
1: you're proud of me, it. Dad. I'm proud of you. <laughs> if that's what you need. If you need me to say I'm proud of you, if that's what this is all about. I'm proud of you.
0: Thank you so much. I will take that to the grave. We are at our last song. Uh, and that's the titular song. It is. Darkness on the Edge of Town. It is. The title of the album and the whole reason I chose Blackadder Brewing. So let's see if it lives it be- up to the hype. I was going to
1: say it better be good.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it better be the best song on the album. Will they still racing out at the trestles? But that blood it never burned. Now here she's got a house up in Fairview In a style she's trying to maintain I played a longer clip for that one than Thank I normally do Thank goodness, wow. oh my goodness I feel
1: like we didn't have enough musical tastes tonight
0: Um, Because I wanted you to hear the transition yes. Between the slower opening and when it really kicks into gear um, This song reminds me a lot of um, Streets of Fire yeah. Earlier on the album uh, but the kind of soulfulness Almost gospeliness At the beginning Reminds me of another song That I would like to play Oh
1: my god
0: Not a Springsteen song
1: Well play it what I will What do we what okay, do in here This is what we do
0: recognize that song at all i do not okay so that is queen latifah okay singing i know where i've been from the hairspray movie soundtrack oh wow the movie version of hair yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah for sure i do
0: not think i could be wrong but i do not think this song is in the original musical soundtrack i think it was added for the movie
1: oh i see what you're saying right right right
0: um And the opening of that song reminds me so much of the opening of Darkness on the Edge of Town. That's interesting. And it was a bizarre experience for me because famously, Hairspray takes place in the 60s in Baltimore. I mean, there's two songs in the musical called Good Morning Baltimore and Welcome to the 60s. So clearly it is very established in time and space. And this song is from 1978, in a from a New Jersey native and yet I heard those opening notes and I was like, Oh my gosh, nineteen sixties, Baltimore.
1: That's interesting. <laughs> and it just
0: transported me. And we haven't talked about this a whole lot, but this album kind of has that effect. I mean he talks about a lot of different places. He mentions Utah in one song. Like he I feel like A lot like of the New Jersey sites are
1: referenced sure. specifics. Right. And I
0: feel like the the stories are very rooted in in their time and their place. And the fact that he can transport us to those places and times is one of my favorite things about this album. I do not think he was intending to take us to 1960s Baltimore, but I still had such a visceral reaction to that.
1: Yeah, and I think that's a credit to his songwriting. I think the thing that is overlooked about Bruce Bernstein's songwriting is that they're all stories about people. He's not these people. right? And yet he uh, can take you like, there's a song about a circus on either Born to Run or Wild and Innocent East the E Street Shuffle. Um,
0: have you ever pronounced innocent the correct way? Not
1: on this podcast. <laughs> it's a lot of words. The Wild the Innocent and the E Street Shuffle. Um, can I just say innocent and be done? No. Why do I have to have the extra the syllable? The
0: intrascent. Intrascent,
1: innocent, int- indocent, docent. Um, but anyway, it's, the song... It's
0: downright indecent, It's It's
1: Billy's something circus, I think. And anyway, it's a whole thing about a circus performance. Listen to that sometime and you're like, I'm in Kansas in a circus. What am I doing here? Yeah. And he's done that his whole career. Yeah. And yet, like we talked about on this, it seems like a lot of the themes are about his life and the, and the struggles he's gone through, but he's transported that and he's, he's identified different characters. And what's interesting about that is on the cover photo, you know, it's a historically kind of downplayed cover photo. It's him in his home in front of a blind and a window. And he had a friend of his shoot the photo. And it's just a guy in a windowsill. And he he saw the photo and he went, yeah, that's the guy that's the guy in all these songs.
0: Interesting.
1: And it was just, it's a working class guy in a window of a home in New Jersey, and it sort of fit the mold of everything that happened on this album. Now, that guy is like multiple people, as you can tell sure. throughout the album. It's not a single guy. Right. But it's a working class hero or a guy just trying to get by, you know, with, you know, just regular work and life. and life. Um, and I think this song really... It, it highlights that. This one, to me, is always about the people who have, you know, there's a dark secret, skeletons in the closet, everybody's got them. Yeah. You know, that's what that whole darkness on the edge of town motif is about with this song. And uh, this is my fourth favorite song on the album. The only me reason too. The only reason is because it's slower than the yeah. other ones, although yeah. it does kick up. Like you said, it goes back and forth. It is a slow burn for the last track on the album. And I've always, always loved this song. Uh, for that reason. So, yeah, I love it. Yeah, I like this, was, this song.
0: This was the one when I read the album titles, I knew I had heard this song. I could sing it in my head just yeah. by reading the yeah, album titles. Yeah, right, right, right. And I agree. It was a pretty close fourth for me. Yeah. Um. It's. Ju- I mean, it's just a solid track.
1: I, I like the energy of the other three that are in my top three better yeah, than mm-hmm. the energy of this one. And sure. that's the only reason this one falls out of the top three. Me but, too. Uh, but lyrically, it's probably... Maybe lyrically my favorite on the album.
0: Interesting. But Interesting. I do
1: I do really like the song. Yeah. And I really like the album, which is why I gave it to you, and I hope you enjoyed it. It sounds like you did.
0: I did. I, I did. I really enjoyed listening to this album, and thank you so much for suggesting it. Um, I liked the songs as individual songs more than I think I liked the album as a, as a, as a single piece of art. Because, again, like I said before... Half of these songs I want to listen to in a chill, working mode, where it's just background noise. And half of these songs I want to sing along to when I'm on a road trip. So, as a single, unified piece of art, it's a little challenging for me. Right, right, right. But I... I have so much respect for Bruce Springsteen. I mean, he's like really an American icon. And um, I think that does bleed into my listening a little bit. I, mean, um, I think
1: you'll find that the songwriting from this album, Ford, on everything that he wrote is equally complex. Oh, I would say sure. the earlier stuff maybe is more simple, although it's not. When you really right. go dive into it, it's not that simple. It's complicated.
0: But I think, But I think even though the themes are a little less dark... I would, I would argue that even up until now, it's, every song is a story. Every song right, is a right. small contained story right. and it's, it has so much specificity and that's really impressive. I mean, I think it's more impressive than like, I love you, let's dance on the dance floor. You know, like typical like yes. songs that, that's that, that the, lack specificity. I'm
1: going to make the joke again, but that's the adulting part of songwriting
0: is the specificity is the
1: specificity and the complexity of the lyrics as opposed to and I, again we talked about the Heim album from a couple of episodes ago and the Heim album is very good it is and it has it tells one story we, it, we it joke does. it's no. a it's a it's a big it's a breakup, breakup album <laughs> and this one's not that this one yeah. has multiple like they the themes might be similar yeah. but the but the individual stories are not and they're all like you said well, it's, it's a, like it's almost like a short story collection it's a collection of short stories it absolutely is a collection I stories. find that
0: so impressive, and and I really enjoyed it. So Good, thank I'm you glad, so much for I'm, suggesting I'm it. I'm
1: glad you liked it. I I was trying to pick something that I thought would be a little more challenging of a discussion. Well, and
0: it was. It, I mean, we definitely right we disagreed on something. Um,
1: Not too much. <laughs> <laughs> Two of our three top three songs were the same. Okay, how much do we disagree?
0: <laughs> so. Um, is it time for me to en-
1: announce? I think my... I think we have one more order of point of order to move on with next the next album. board meeting, and that is to present me with some sort of album for the next time. Sure. What do you got?
0: For the next podcast episode, I have chosen "Musique Magnifique" by The Procession. Ooh! You and you. Do you know anything about any? I have.
1: I have no idea what what words just came from your mouth
0: (laughs) um i will warn you right now this album is very hard to find um there is very little information about this band on the internet i can only listen to the album on soundcloud it's not even on spotify (laughs) so sorry i'll have to send you a link to their soundcloud um but yeah, it's 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 an obscure it's an obscure album, and so we're okay. get, we're getting into some hipster territory. Uh-oh. I hope you're ready for it.
1: Uh, well, I'm not, but I'll try. Okay. Uh, so, um, well, let me dive into that, and then we'll figure out if we're going to meet up or do it on Zoom, or we'll figure out how we're going to do it. But uh, I will track down Musique, musique magnifique, magnifique by the Procession. Yes, sir. Did I get that part right? You did. Okay. Well. Um, as always, I'm looking forward to it because you're two for two on things that I've enjoyed. Oh, so thank hopefully, you so much. <laughs> hopefully you dive deep into the collection. I'm, I'm sad that the third album you thought I would like is so obscure that I have to go to SoundCloud. I, that bodes well for the future or not, I don't know. But anyway, I will do my best to track down the... You mean I can't buy the album? I can't.
0: Oh, I'm sure you can buy it somewhere. I don't even know. I Again, I don't purchase any of my music. I'm so sorry. Did you tell
1: me the year? Did I hear the year?
0: Uh, I didn't tell you, but it's from 2007.
1: 2007. Okay. So, okay. It's not like it's going to be on vinyl at some. I'm mean, going to have to go pay $100 <laughs> at a vinyl oh, shop. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay. All right. It's
0: digital. You can definitely find it. Oh, yeah. SoundCloud,
1: it would be digital. Somewhere. Okay. All right. Um, I'm game, as always, as you know.
0: Great. Very excited. Well, you can find us on all social media Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at Pops on Hops Pod. Or you can email us at PopsOnHopsPod at gmail.com. In the show notes, there should be a link to leave us a voice message if that's something that interests you. And on behalf of Hops.
1: And Pops. We'll
0: see you next time.
1: There's a dark beer on the edge of town. Oh, my God. There's a dark beer on the edge edge of of town.